The AAPA conference is coming up May 18th through 22nd in Houston. I'm so sad that I will not be there, but some of my favorite people will be. So I want to make sure that y'all know who to look out for. So if you're heading down to the conference, make sure you go by the Blueprint and Rosh Review table. They're giving away all kinds of stuff stethoscopes, seats in the review course. They're talking about how Rosh Review has joined Blueprint and what that looks like. But definitely go stop by, say hi, get some swag, tell them I said hello, uh, and it'll be a really good time. I'm sure y'all will have an awesome time in Houston. Make sure you go to Torchy's Tacos, my absolute favorite, and spend some time in the exhibit hall exploring we know that I love Rosh Review um, by Blueprint, and they have so many great resources. So whether you're looking for QBanks, pants review courses, now is the time. And usually there's some special stuff, so go check it out. Okay, we're going to hear from one of our PA platform coaches today, Peter. He is a family medicine PA and a pre-PA coach, but he has a really great story of how he got into PA school, and we get such great feedback on his coaching that you're going to want to listen for his tips. Welcome to the Pre-PA Club Podcast. If you want to learn how to become a physician assistant, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Savannah Perry. Let's get to it. Hey guys, welcome to the Pre-PA Club Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I'm so happy to have you here listening so that you get to meet Peter, who is one of our coaches. One thing I'm really proud of at the PA platform is all of our coaches are PAs. We only use practicing PAs because I think it's just really important that someone who is helping you and mentoring you has been through every step of the process. And we've never advertised for coaches. Everyone who works with us is somebody who just genuinely wanted to do it and reached out for some reason. So Peter has been with us for a while now, I would say over a year, um, things just, you know, blend together and fly by. But he works in family medicine. Um, he is someone who, you know, I think some people will say they want to do family medicine and say that they're passionate about it, but maybe they don't mean that. And Peter really means it, which you're going to hear in hearing him talk about his job and his role and we talk about collaboration with physicians and what that looks like so we just get into a lot of great stuff talking about his journey to becoming a PA what PA school is like and then also um, his job now so I hope you enjoy this episode um, Peter does our mock interviews and will likely be doing some um, general counseling soon so you can check out the PA platform if you want to work with Peter or any of our other coaches and don't forget that you can use the code future PA for a discount on any of those services. And if you have questions, always feel free to reach out as well. So let's hear from Peter. I think you're gonna enjoy this and I would love to hear your feedback on Instagram, especially if you've worked with Peter in the past. Uh, my name is Peter Alfano. I'm originally from Salem, New Hampshire. And um, once I uh, came time to attend undergrad, I went to the University of New England in Biddeford, Maine where I majored in medical biology pre-physician assistant. And um, while I was in high school, I had gotten my EMT certification. So I worked as an EMT throughout that time. That was where I got my patient contact. And then when the, the time came to attend PA school, I went to MCPHS University in Manchester, New Hampshire, 
And then I graduated from there in December of 2017. So I've been a PA a little approaching for four years now. Um, my first job was in Belchertown, Massachusetts doing adult primary care. And I stayed there for about three years. And then uh, in June of last year, I started my second job just to be a little closer to family. So now I work at a private practice in North Chelmsford, Massachusetts, and I do um, family primary care. So that's a little bit about me. Awesome. Okay. I'm very interested that your school had a pre-PA track or major. That's really cool because a lot of schools don't have that. Um, What did that mean or kind of what did they help with? Was that mainly just, you know, streamlining classes or kind of other stuff too? Yeah. So UNE in Maine is like a huge health science program. So they, they draw pre-pharmacy, nursing, uh, they have an osteopathic medicine school, so pre-PA. So the pre-PA major was almost identical to the pre-med major. I think the two differences were you didn't have to take OCHEM 2 and um, the biochemistry class was like slightly less advanced. So it was, it was okay. essentially pre-med, but it, it guaranteed that you would be meet all the prereqs for any PA program in the country. So it was a good, nice. a good fit. Cool. Yeah, that's really cool. I just um, was talking to another coach, Emma, and she said she actually asked her advisor for like, I want to do pre-PA major. And her advisor was like, that does not exist, which even at my school at UGA, it did not exist. So that's just funny that you say like, that's what you did because some schools do have that. Um, What kind of brought you to medicine and to the PA profession? Yeah, so I originally actually wanted to be an optometrist, uh, believe it or not. And um, I think, I don't know, I want to say it was the summer between eighth and ninth grade was when I started that mindset. I had gone to my eye doctor's appointment and I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is great. This is so cool. She gets to use all the fancy equipment. And I came out of there with my first pair of contacts and I could see, and I was just like, wow, this is great. This is so impactful. Like, I think I'm going to do this. I'm going to be an eye doctor. And so my first two and a half years of college, like that was, or high school, I should say, that was my kind of what I was pursuing. And then when I, junior year, I took a, a health occupations class, junior year of high school, again, thinking I was going to be an optometrist. And then I learned about this PA profession. And I just thought it was so interesting how, you know, yes, maybe I'll get to look at eyes, but also get to do a lot more than that. Um, much broader scope of practice, six years of um, post or post-high school education, Um, it was a hugely growing profession at the time. It still is. And so just kind of all those things, um, made me switch gears junior year high school. And I just kind of stayed steady. It it made it a lot easier that when I started college, I had known, um, that that was what I was pursuing. I know a lot of the students that we work with, they, uh, it's a little bit more challenging when they figure it out a little bit later, they have to maybe take more classes or stay a little later or things like that. But I was fortunate that I, that was really my mindset from, from day one of college. Nice. Yeah. And that's, that does give a huge advantage just because there's so many requirements for PA school that if you figure it out later, it it definitely can be a time crunch to get everything done. But I feel like the students that we work with, like their applications are so impressive and these days, I don't know if I would get into PA school, I would have had to do a lot more and work a lot harder, I think, to make it happen. So did you take a gap year or did you apply so that you could go straight into PA school? 
Yeah, so I applied the summer of 2015. So I was, it was right before, but between my junior and senior year. So, um, and at the time I did not think I was going to get in at all. I was just, because, you know, you go through college here and PA school is so hard. It's so hard to get in. So I was, that was kind of my mindset. And so I was basically like, okay, I'm I'm going to apply. And my goal for the cycle is if I get one interview, then that's a, that was a successful cycle. It'll be good practice. And then it'll set me up for next year when I am serious about getting in practice run. <laughs> yeah, that was exactly my intention because I had, I had good grades. I had shadowing of several PAs. I had a letter of rec from a PA, but my problem was I was, I was very young. I was 21 and I did not have a lot of experience. I did not have a lot of patient contact at all. I had less than less than, I want to say 700 hours, which is nowadays probably pretty hard to get away with. Um, but that was what I had. And so I thought that, I thought they were basically going to look at me and say, you know, we like you, but come back in another year when you have more experience. So I applied to my eight schools, something like that, eight, seven, I don't know. And, um, they were all in the new England area. And, um, I get my first, my first interview was for Arcadia university in Delaware. And I just remember being so nervous beforehand, <laughs> um, you know, knowing that a lot of the people around me were going to be older and more experienced and maybe have had other interviews. So, um, you know, I showed up, I, the whole drive from Maine to Delaware, I was practicing in the car, practicing out loud. And then, you know, when the time came and I get out of the interview afterwards, I was thinking like, geez, I don't want to jinx it, but I think that went pretty well. Like, I think I, hey, yeah. I, think I could have done anything different. And so then, um, yeah, a couple of weeks later, I got the acceptance and I was like, oh my nice. goodness, like, I'm going to be a PA a year earlier than I thought. And um, that was a big, I mean, I don't know if you remember your first acceptance, but that's, oh, yeah. Good, yeah, it's yeah. a big relief. Um, and so I eventually ended up, I interviewed at two more schools and, and got into those. And my number one school was MCPHS. So once I got that acceptance, I ended up withdrawing from the schools that I still hadn't heard from. Nice. That, yeah. I mean, it definitely feels good to just get an interview invite, but then to get that actual acceptance, it's like a huge weight is lifted and you just finally feel like you can move forward. Um, But that's really impressive. And that's kind of a good example too. So like my advice to people is if you meet the requirements, even if you feel like, you know, somebody's going to be better or I could like make my application better go ahead and apply because you just never know and they're looking for so many different things that you know it can happen um since you kind of had the benefit of interviewing at different programs seeing different programs and choosing um what were you looking for like what made you choose mcphs and going into it was that your top choice or did that change throughout the process I think I had originally intended to maybe if I got in to go to to UNE where I, and I ended up getting into UNE, I was thinking yeah. my original plan was I'll just go to the same school for six years, but yeah. I ended up not because um, I just, I don't know. I just got a really warm vibe. Not that I didn't get one from UNE, but I just got a yeah. really warm vibe from them. I was like, this will be a good fit. Plus um, the fact that it was, you know, 30 minutes away from my parents' house right. meant that I could just live with them for two years, uh, saved a ton of money. Um, and you know, a couple other things that stood out were just the fact that they had, um, a December graduation date, which meant I wasn't going to have to be competing with everybody else that graduated in May or July. Um, and then they also had, they were linked with, um, the, the Worcester, Massachusetts campus, meaning that 
they would basically, I know like electronic or, or tele-education now is a big thing, but back then it, it wasn't. And so the professor teaching would either be on the Manchester or the Worcester campus. And so sometimes your lectures would be in person. Sometimes you'd be watching them on a huge screen, which was for me, I, that was kind of a, that was a perk because it meant that instead of having, you know, 10 faculty members with their own specialties, now we had 20 and you weren't going to have to compromise. You know, they basically had some of every specialty. So those are kind of the things that, that drew me to it. But I think when the time, I think I would have gotten a good education anywhere, really what it, what it came down to in the end was the location and just the, the cost save, the cost savings was huge. Yeah. And no, that is a huge difference. Um, how long was the program and how many students? It was 24 months. It started in January and went continuously till December of the following year. Okay. Um, the longest break we had was probably two and a half weeks in the summer. Um, and it was, I think we had a little under 40 students on each campus. It was technically accredited as one program. So I guess we had, I don't know, 75 students, but it was, I had 40 or so classmates that I was really close with. And it was nine rotations, five weeks each. Okay. And they were all in New England. I was lucky that I was basically able to commute to all of mine, um, two elective rotations. Okay. So since you didn't take a gap year, did you graduate in May and then have off until January to start school? Is that how that yes. works? Mm -hmm. Okay. We have like very similar track. So I had the same thing. I graduated in December and started in May and that little break was so great. It was, it was yeah. great because I was accepted. So like, I didn't have to worry about school stuff, but then like I could get ready. So I don't, I feel like that's not necessarily something people can set up very easily, but it was really great. <laughs> yeah. I, cause especially cause I wasn't, I mean, at the time I graduated from college had I gone to one of those other schools I would have been starting in a couple of weeks and yeah. at the time I didn't own a car or like I didn't have enough savings to probably even put down for an apartment it just I wasn't wouldn't have been ready to start and I'm sure I would have made it happen but I'm, I'm glad I had you know seven months to figure it all out kind of prepare yeah um so once you got into school um how was that transition process from undergrad to PA school was that pretty smooth for you or were there areas that you struggled um, in doing that? Uh, yeah, it was it was challenging in the beginning. You know, I had gone in, you know, you hear, oh, PA school is really hard, really hard. So I was just thinking, okay, I'll just work really hard. And if I'm not getting the grades I want, I'll just spend more time studying. That was what I did in undergrad. That worked. <laughs> um, but the problem is in PA school, as you know, you basically run out of time. Like there comes a yeah. point where you can't just study for more hours because there's not enough hours to do that. So you, you just have to be smarter yeah. with how you study. And that was a little rough for me because having been successful in undergrad and worked hard, I didn't coast at all. I just, I worked hard and, and it was successful. And for that not to work anymore, that was a little discouraging. I think it, it wasn't a very long transition, but it was, it was discouraging. I think the first, the first test I ever took was a pharmacology class. And I think I got like a 77 or something on the exam. It was terrible. I was so discouraged. I was like, wow, this is, this is bad. Um, because I basically had the mindset that it's probably only going to get harder from the first exam. <laughs> and so if I'm already starting with a 77, this is really bad. And, uh, it was, it was, discouraging. I remember, um, the next day 
I, during class, I was not paying attention to the lecture. I was sitting in the back of the classroom on my laptop, like researching backup careers because I was just so discouraged. I was just like, I was like, I got to figure out my plan B. So, and so I was researching and, um, and during this lecture, I hear the girl that was like sitting, like, I, I was probably Googling like what, how much money does an accountant make or something? Like I was not <laughs> doing anything related to class. Give it but up. I hear like, the girl in front of me was talking how she had organized a small study group and they were meeting after school. I was like, okay, this is probably something I probably have nothing to lose at this point. And so I asked her, you know, Hey, can I join you? And, um, and I did, and I found that to be really tremendously helpful, just going to, you know, speaking out loud, asking questions of other students, or if I didn't know the answers, one of them would. So, you know, having those resources, um, I made other changes too. I started doing, um, making like Quizlet flashcards. I became a lot better at predicting what was going to be on the exam and what wasn't. Um, when I was an undergrad, I would just memorize everything, but you can't do that in PA school. You have to eventually develop that sense of what's going to be on the test. What do I actually need to take away from this? And so um, it, I ended up doing a lot better. I think on the second test, I got like a 96 or something. And then after that, by the time I get to the first semester, I was like, okay, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be a PA. I just had to, yeah. had to figure it out. Got your groove in. And it, I think it does usually take, I feel like a semester or two to get to that point. Um, cause it's just so fast and so much and it, it's just like parts of it, I felt like weren't even harder than undergrad. I feel like some things were harder in undergrad, but it was just the volume. And like you, I think you phrased it perfectly. I've never really heard anybody say it like that. Like you just run out of time. Like, it's not that I'm not capable of learning this. I just don't have time to do it. And yeah, then, that was what I, and the other big difference too, is that, like, I agree. I think my um, anatomy class in undergrad was harder than PA school. I think my, I think OCHEM was a lot harder than pharmacology. There were some classes in undergrad work that were harder, but the problem is in, in undergrad, they, you're not just taking intense science classes. You're taking your art classes and your music and sociology. Yeah. And so that's like your easy A classes, but in PA school, there's no easy A classes. Like every class is a huge investment of time. Yeah. And they all matter. And farm was so hard. Uh, <laughs> it was, that was my hardest class for sure. Um, okay. So when you were in PA school, did you feel like you would end up in family practice or is that something you figured out while you're in school? Yeah, I didn't know at all at first. I had been thinking maybe orthopedics. I had shattered an orthopedic PA and I thought it was interesting. And I ended up, that was one of my electives actually was orthopedics, but it was really, um, it was until I started my, my clinical year that I kind of figured it out. You know, you go from rotation to rotation, hoping that you'll find one that kind of speaks to you. And I want to say family med was my fourth rotation. And I remember by like the second day, I was like, wow, this is awesome. This is what I'm doing the rest of my life. And uh, I still was open-minded with the rest of the rotations, but I, I knew that that was eventually going to be where I ended up. Nice. Um, so I feel like family medicine can look a little bit different in different settings. And I don't know about your area, but we have a bunch of like urgent cares now that are also family medicine, which are interesting. Um, what does kind of your setup, what is a day at your job look like? Yeah. So I work eight 30 to five, four days a week. They give me Tuesdays off as like an admin day to catch up on labs and messages. So it's kind of, I don't know, it's like getting paid for five days to work four <laughs> days. So that's kind of a big perk uh, of family. Yeah. Most, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, so eight 30 to five, I'll see anywhere from 
so pre before this huge COVID surge, I was seeing like 18 to 21 a day. Um, now I'm seeing upwards of 25 last week. I had a day where I saw 31, um, and almost all that was COVID related. Um, so for primary care, that's a lot for a day. Um, most of it's telemed now and, but I'll do, especially when we're not having a COVID surge, I'll see, uh, of course we'll do physicals. We'll do urgent care, sick visits. I'll do ER follow-ups. I'll do inpatient follow-ups. I'll do pre-ops, um, sports clearances. I used to do um, DOT physicals at my old job. I haven't done that at the new job, but that's another thing too. So um, I'll also do medical procedures. So I'll do, you know, draining abscesses, uh, suturing for minor lacerations. Uh, I'll do wedge resections for ingrown toenails. Um, birth control implants. So lots of different, lots of different things. I definitely am not bored after four years. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, do you see kids? I do now. Yeah. So okay. my old job, I didn't, but now I'll see anywhere from six months is the youngest patient I've ever seen. And then um, anyone under six months, usually the physician will see unless it's some sort of a emergency. And then the oldest patient I think I've ever seen is like 102 or something. So yeah. a broad, broad range. Yes. Nice. Um, when in your job, do you have, like, what is your level of autonomy and your level of collaboration? Is that something that you are happy with or, or feel kind of comfortable with? Yeah. So um, I find that I actually have a little bit more collaboration now at my new job at my old job, the way that the insurance companies were set up, a, a PA could be somebody's PCP. So okay. I had a patient, I had a panel of, uh, it was about 1100 patients when I finally left. And like, I, I was the PCP. So I was really the, the person, I was the person making the decisions. It really, the only time I would ever involve my supervising physician was if I just didn't know what to do or if I needed advice. Whereas at the new job, because of the way the, um, insurance is set up a the physician has to be listed as the pcp and will kind of serve sometimes as like the de facto you know we'll still sometimes the patient will just see us year after year after year yeah. but because of that um because of just the way it's set up the mindset's a little different you know the physicians are ultimately responsible for the care so there's a lot more collaboration um i'll sometimes i'll just go to the physician and say hey i saw them for this this is what's going on you know do you agree or just letting you know, I'm probably going to send this person to the ER. Do you, you know, do you agree with that? And that was something I would do a lot less commonly when I was the PCP, but with the level of collaboration we have now, the physicians, they, because they're the PCP, they know their patients so well, they know a lot more of their history. And so um, it's kind of, it's, it's definitely a perk. It, I definitely feel supported and I've never felt, you know, silly or stupid asking a question at, at either job. Nice. Yeah. That's, I think the, the goal environment is, you know, having that, that balance, um, since kind of you have this nice setup with four days a week and you've been doing tons of mock interviews, which has been awesome. <laughs> um, what kind of made you want to get involved with that side of things too, as far as like mentoring and helping pre-PAs, um, mm. which anytime I mention you on Instagram, everyone, I get so many, they're like, I love Peter, Peter's oh, yeah. awesome. <laughs> like, you have so many fans. So <laughs> what made you kind of reach out and want to get involved there? Yeah. So I've always, um, I've always kind of enjoyed tutoring and mentoring. I mean, I was yeah. lucky when I was a student, um, even in college, but especially as a PA student, I had a lot of really good mentors, good preceptors. So even before 
reaching out to you and eventually starting with, with interviews I had been when I was in college, I was a, a tutor. Um, I was, when I was in PA school, I had mentored the, the um, class under me, you know, helping them through their own didactic years. I was always really drawn to that. I've precepted students as a, as a PA. And so I just always, you know, I remember being in, um, you know, a college student getting ready to apply for PA. We didn't have all the resources that are out there now. Now there's so much valuable resources, but I definitely, you know, I think it would have been helpful to have somebody to um, bounce questions off of and things like that. So I'm definitely happy to try to be that resource for those students. Yes. Well, they are very appreciative. I can tell you that. Um, And I think, I don't know, you probably feel it too, but it's fun when we get the acceptance emails and we're like, yes, like yeah you were not a big part of this because you were already doing really great but (laughs) thank you I know I know they're always like oh thank you so much you got me to PA school and I was like I really didn't I spent an hour with you when you did everything else you did so much hard work and Mm -hmm. I just reminded you I feel like all I do is remind you of the hard work you did (laughs) like make it okay for you to brag on yourself um Well, yeah. Well, thank you so much for everything you do with the students, but also for taking time to talk about your job and and tell us a little bit about you. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you.